This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. My next guest has been named one of the most promising and upcoming choreographers of his generation. Black and Blue was his first Broadway tour at age 12, followed by Savion Glover's Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk national tour at 15. At the ripe old age of 16, he co-choreographed his first musical named Wild Women Blues in Germany. He was contributing choreographer for Broadway's In the Heights, Hot Feet and The Wiz at City Center Encores, directed by Thomas Kael. On film, he's choreographed and created movement for films, among others, Disney's The Princess and the Frog, The Smurfs Movie, Bring It On, Fight Fight to the Finish. Television credits include Dancing with the Stars, America's Got Talent, Bar Rescue, and Lip Sync Battle. His collaboration with recording artists is vast, and he has worked with Beyonce, Mariah Carey, Janet Jackson, Pink, Camila Cabello, John Legend, Chris Martin, so, so many. Queen Latifah, it goes on. You got to check it out. Check out his work. He's worked with some wonderful folks, so that says a lot about him. Welcome, Dominique. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It is my distinct pleasure. And I really appreciate it. You're calling in from LA. I think you said I'm that. calling in from LA. Yes. Fantastic. Is that your home? Is that where you um, reside? Yes. It's, it's, I'll have my 15 year anniversary in January. It's, it's weird to think like, cause I consider myself such a like Northeastern mm-hmm. guy, you know, to be living in LA. I was like, wow, I've lived here for the majority of my life. Interesting. Huh? What, what brought you out there? I originally did um, the whiz at La Jolla. Mm. and I was just out here and I was like, well, let me see what it'll be like, you know, living in LA for maybe a month. I'm one of those people that just got here and stayed here and just never went home. I feel like I just have to start by saying that my heart was so full this morning as I watched the 1989 Tony performance of Black and Blue. Mm -hmm. To to think that you started your career as a child in in such a joyous celebration of dance and African-American culture and were exposed to such excellence and being mentored by the giants? I would not have wanted anything else. Like, I think that was the best foray into the business for me because I had so many aunties and uncles. I had Omar Edwards, I had Michael Rainey, I had Greg Poland, I had Dormisha Sumbri, I had Jason Young, I had Liz Ramos, I had Michelle Cole, I had Diane Walker, I had Henry Latang, I had Bunny Briggs, I had Linda Hopkins, you know what I mean? Like, I just had so many people who were my aunties and uncles. I had Van Porter, I had Michael Clurie, I had like Keith Lamel Thomas, Thera Ward, like all these people that if you don't know who they are, look them up because they are like Broadway royalty and they, they had a great work ethic. So I learned work ethic from Dexter Jones. I learned how to keep my uh, sounds clean and, and how to perform by Dermisha Sumbri Edwards. I learned so many things from all of these people. And it was an all black show. And then not only that, like I was wearing tuxes all the time. I was allowed to improvise a good amount of the time. They just let me be the fully fledged human at 12 mm-hmm. going into 13 that I thought I was. There was never any like, well, you're just a child. Somebody taught me a step a day. So imagine being on a tour for about a year, year and a half, learning around a step a day. Yeah. That vocabulary is monstrous by the time you finish. And, you know, that was just the best 
first step into the business for me. Yeah. No kidding, right? Backing up, right? Because you you grew up dancing in a studio. I saw a picture of you. I saw a photograph. One little black boy amongst all these white girls. Yep, Connecticut. Where, where, where was that? Connecticut. Connecticut. Oh my god, yep. in Connecticut. Yeah. So so how did you how did you end up in black and blue? There was a performance in Connecticut at some point, and my mother was like, "Bring your tap shoes." I was like, "I just want to watch the performance," and I believe it was like Butterfly. It was Diane. I think it was Jimmy Slide and. And of course, Savion, they were doing a tap performance. So I brought my shoes. Um, and then at the end, my mother pulled some strings so I can meet them backstage. So I got my shoes signed. And then my mother was like, you should tap for them. And I was like, oh gosh. So I put on my shoes and I tapped. And Diane was like, oh, okay, this little boy has feet. Okay. So then um, some time passed. And because I spoke to Diane literally not too long ago about it, because I never understood what happened. And she was like, yeah. So then when we were casting from for black and blue, we were looking for a child that also had technique mm-hmm. at that time and who could tap. So they knew I was from Connecticut. So they literally searched in that area. They searched to figure out um, where I was. So they literally went all the all through all the dance competitions. And then they called my dance teacher who called me. And then I went into audition. And I realized none of the steps I was doing was anything close to any of the steps they were doing. Yeah. So while watching them rehearse, I remixed some of their steps and added my steps and ended up getting the job. Love it. What a great story. So then moving forward, you got the gig by, it sounds like, adding your own sauce. Yes, yes. It was being a smart dancer because if I would have gone in there just doing like rolling shuffles and wings, I don't know if I necessarily would have gotten it. I literally, thank God, like they were rehearsing something. So I saw what they were doing and I went, Okay, this is when you have to make a choice. And again, by watching a lot of TV, I was good at mimicking and then going and figuring out what it was. Mm -hmm. So I just basically watched some of their steps, literally took their steps, ingested it, tried to put my own spin on it, maybe did some pirouettes or a toe touch and was like, is that what you want? You know? Yep. Luckily, it worked out. You were a choreographer in your mindset then. I feel like I always had that brain. I just didn't know what it was called. Yeah, no, 100%. Because what you're describing is being able to recognize the essence of something. So it's not so much that you that you stole the step or you were like, oh, I, but you you understood what was different. Yes. And then you you kind of assimilated that into be, to be you and then you delivered it back to them, which is, you know, you did a synthesis. I see that. Yeah, yeah. I recognize that. Where else in your life do you do that? I do that. Well, I mean, at all times, just being part of a marginalized community. I feel like we all do that. We all do that at some point. We have to, you know, keep the essence of who we are. But whether it's code switching or assimilation or any of those other things, you have to take the information you're given, synthesize it, still remain who you are, but be malleable enough to not only be able to survive, but to thrive in a lot of different situations. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and again, what's so amazing in your trajectory is that a, you had that, I think God given talent of being able to see, I think that came with you. I came, you know, it came with package. (laughs) I don't think that, you know, and and perhaps you've developed it and, you know, learned what it is and, and all of that, as you described, which is brilliant. What, what is amazing and really super interesting to me is that your first, it was your first professional experience, black and blue, right? Yes that it was in that context. So that in your formative years, 
as a person, as a human, as a young boy, as a dancer, as like on every single level, yeah. um, as an African-American, as a theater performer, you were in this, this beautiful, not really realistic actually <laughs> world. I mean, it, talk about a, a microcosm of what it could be. Exactly. Um, and we were in Europe. So that's another thing about formative time because yeah. like, it's not so puritanical over there. So, you know, the nudity was what it was. We were, we started off in Amsterdam. There were drugs everywhere. It's not that I wanted to do them, but I knew, you know what I mean? That it was a lot more lax than being in the U S and um, I think that also helped play a part of it, especially the embracing of the arts and culture and the appreciation for it. It, it was just mind blowing. Part of the biggest thing was being in Europe at that time. Yeah. Oh, for sure. What's so fascinating for me about you is that A, you went in kind of unscathed. You went in in sort of the perfect scenario where you weren't having to deal with all the bullshit of stuff that yeah. that that actually is inherent um in this industry and um and and except that you're a guy which yay you got one thing going for you <laughs> yeah but also being queer doesn't there you go <laughs> yeah so it's like yeah it does the balancing act and then not only that too i realized there's nothing like support family mm -hmm. support friend support support at the job support from your bosses support all the way around mm -hmm. i think there was nothing like it because I was raised to think that there wasn't anything I could I could not do. Mm -hmm. Now, as you get older, you realize that's partly true and partly not true. But at that time, I felt like I could do anything. I could fly. I could I could be whomever I wanted to be. I could work as hard as I wanted to, or I could relax. Like I literally was was raised to be a leader, but sometimes not a leader of people, a leader of yourself and autonomy. And I feel like that was one of the best gifts that my parents gave me. 100%. And you took it, you unwrapped it and you, you used it. It's, you know, you didn't put it in your closet, you Correct. know? So, so that's, what's, that's, what's phenomenal. And that's what really shines through with you is mm -hmm. that, you know, I mean, one might look at your bio and not go any further and go, oh, he's obviously very ambitious. And he had to start in, you know, th this way and so on and so forth. But I'm hearing loud and clear you saying, no, I was raised in this way I was given this first professional experience and I could have sat back and rested on my laurels, which you could have for a while. And, yes. you know, and you would have got probably a lot of the stuff you had just based on basic talent and stuff, but in terms of sustainability or not. or not. Yeah. But you know what I mean? But you've, you've worked, you've, you've worked, you've used, you've appreciated. I hear gratitude loud and clear. All day, all yeah. day, because yeah. it's never just one person. You realize that nobody makes it anywhere by themselves. It just doesn't happen that way, you know, and I've realized that even more so as the years have gone on, you know, it takes preparation and it takes a little, you know, je ne sais quoi. Like, for example, I never got nervous. If you give me a down special and a, a hat and maybe a curtain, I don't understand how you can not just want to be in the light. I, I never understood that feeling of people who are like, I want to be in the back. For what? For what? Why? The light is on the stage. The audience is there. I mean, I had a solo at the end of the show and granted it was like over three minutes, but I was smiling that whole time because I was living the life I prayed for, even mm. at 12. Mm. When did you know you wanted to dance? Um, my mother told me, okay, so funny story again, because you know, there's so many times where history starts to get blurry. My mother told me at four, we went to a family reunion 
and they were having um, a little talent show for the family. And she was talking to my father and all of a sudden heard singing and was like, who is that singing? And I was up there with the microphone singing. And then she was like, all of a sudden, then you started dancing. And then they stopped and was like, did you know he could do that? I didn't know he could do that. So then, um, and then going a little bit further. Okay. So nine, nine years old, or I should, yeah, nine was, my mother was um, a, a music teacher at a, a elementary school and they brought in a dance company. And for an hour, she said, I was wrapped. I did not move. Now, meanwhile, I played sports. I was good in school. I went to the museum. I went to space camp, a lot of those other things, but it was something about dance that I did not blink or move. I had on like my full outfit and was like sat still. So then I was like, you know what? I, I want to try this. I want to go to dance school. I realized she put me in around May during recital season. Not a good idea for somebody who's a perfectionist. And I was mad that I didn't know the terms. I didn't know the steps. I cried. Mm. I was upset. But then she said a couple of months later, so that was May. She said in September, I came back to her and was like, mommy, I think I'm ready. And from then on, she put me in and she was like, you never look back. Oh, so amazing. I knew it was always in me. Like I used to love, like, I, I missed the freedom and the joy of being a child where no matter where you were, you just danced freely in the mall, in the supermarket, in the driveway, any of those other things, because you didn't care about the judgment. You didn't care. You just practiced. You just did what you love. It's just like a whole bunch of people. When you're younger, you know how all of us can draw and all of us can paint. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, you start to lose those, those things. And it's mm-hmm. not because you can't do it. It's just because of the judgment and the insecurity that you start to feel. Mm. So if I'm hearing you correctly, are you saying, just to clarify, you're saying that once you actually started on the dance train officially, that it, that you lost that, that you lost that ability just to dance freely without sort of all the voices in your head telling you? I wouldn't say that I lost it. It's just, it changed things mm-hmm. because especially when you think about it, all of that stuff is just freestyle. Like us talking right now is freestyle. You don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what you're going to say. Yeah. But um, then you have to start honing it, especially as a tap dancer, yep. because that is your voice. So in black and blue, that's basically what I was getting at. I was like, okay, I need to be an artist and learn how to express myself mm-hmm. and, and improvise. And then even some of the other shows I did, the same thing happened. But then all of a sudden you start thinking about it a little bit more and more. You start thinking about your vocabulary. You start thinking about what you're actually saying. You start thinking about the sound. You start thinking about what is the surface. You start thinking about how much money am I getting paid to do this? You start thinking about your body. You start thinking about injuries. You start thinking about what people are going to say. And I'm not saying that it stopped, but I'm just saying like those voices get in naturally. Yeah. Naturally. It just is what it is, you know. The price of admission really, isn't it? Pretty much. Pretty much. So how do you navigate that? Um, I navigate it by, um, I, I have a good way of turning them off. I, there's a lot of things that I just don't care about or care about the judgment. I think, um, what helps too, is that I like to do a lot of different genres of dance. So I'm not basically bound to one language, mm-hmm. which is great. I compare it to driving cross country in a car and if you can leave it on, um, if you only like one genre of music, you have to keep changing this, this station. But if you like a whole bunch of different things, then it's fine, whatever is on. You know, mm. so even when it comes to like improvising and being free and being an artist, 
I do love limitations. Limitations are some of my favorite things, but I think it's because of puzzles. I love puzzles and like brain games. But for the most part, I think that um, I'm, I am fairly able to shut it off and just create and just be in the room and let the spirit lead, whether it's by myself or not. Mm. So you just walk in a different direction. Pretty much. I'm, mm-hmm. I like to pivot, yeah. not only as a dance step, but just in general to be like, oh, okay, well, what's this? What's over here? What's that? Totally. Always so, exploration. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so funny because for me, when I think about pivot, as you as you well know, I think about in order to pivot well as an actual step and change direction, you have yeah. to have a really strong core. You have yeah. to have your pivot point. Yes. Which is us, which yep. is the human if you take it to the larger thing, mm-hmm. right? So p- people often think about pivoting. I don't like that. I'm going somewhere else. That's that's running actually. <laughs> but yeah. but a pivoting to me is you're strong in your core which means you can stretch beyond where you're used to facing and and it's okay because you've exercised that and you know you're able to do that. Does that sometimes land for you? you yeah, yeah, sometimes you can pivot to the sunny side of the street. You can pivot away from negativity. Yeah. You can pivot towards your dreams, you know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to mean a bad thing. It yeah. can be a great thing. Like, for example, um, during the pandemic, I was like, okay, I want to do more musical theater. Mm. Once everything shut down, I pivoted towards TV. Mm-hmm. And it's been wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing to pivot for me. No. I think it's absolutely a wonderful thing because you start to figure out not only because, you know, in real life, what you're good at and what people want you to do are two different things or mm-hmm. what you want to do and what you're good at can be completely different thing. Hmm. So I like all of these pivots because I get to basically paint with all the colors. I get to try all the things. I get to go to the buffet of life and see what I like and see what I don't like and what I'm good at. But all in all, at the end of the day is if I can be purposeful and intentional and like try to be encouraging and help other people like an act of service, I think that's, that's how I get filled up. I love that. I love the buffet of life. If you didn't dance, if you couldn't, for some reason, dance wasn't a thing or whatever. If you didn't do what you did, what would you do? I would be, um, I work at the zoo because that's what I did before I was originally an animal science major. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do uh, dance therapy. That was another thing that I was going to do. Um, I would be a journalist because I love research mm-hmm. and I love like um, speaking of stories and hearing stories of people that we don't necessarily hear about. Mm-hmm. And I also have a need for justice. So I want to like really like, you know, get people's stories out there. Um, yeah, I would do massage therapy or PT. I would love to do that also. But yeah, so many different things. There would be mm. so many different things that I would love to do. I love that dance chose me, but I don't necessarily have to stay married to dance. Like the discipline that I learned in dance school has, I can use that in so many different other forms and facets. Mm-hmm. I saw somewhere that you've been called the diva whisperer. Yes. Talk to me a bit about that and your experience with that. I call it respectful honesty. Hmm. I think if you can always lead that way and let people know that you have their best interest at heart, because the further up you go, the more people will say like, oh, no, that looks great. You look wonderful. And then you're and you go like, I don't trust you because you're all lying because I look nuts. I know I look nuts. You know, I look nuts. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, people just want a beacon of honesty. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be mean. You don't have to be biting. You don't have to, you know, be very cutting. But they just want somebody that they're going to look to 
And if they feel like they could have done it better, you go, yeah, you could do it better. Let's try it one more time. You know, um, I worked recently with Meryl Streep. I was helping her with the prom and getting in shape and everything with that. And she was absolutely wonderful. I mean, I think part of it is she's a triple threat who has a theater background. She knows her process. And it was absolutely wonderful to work with her, working with Jennifer Holliday. Mm. Same thing. You know what I mean? Like it was just very, it was like kismet, like kindred spirits. Mm. Work with Mariah Carey, the same exact thing. I don't have problems with people that the world deems as divas. I just never really do. I don't know what that is, but I think it's coming from a place of respectful honesty. Yeah. And actually just helping people and make corrections because that's what you're there for. You're not like they wouldn't need you if you didn't correct them. Mm -hmm. So let's just share and figure out what we're going to do, you know, and it's been wonderful that way. Like I was working with uh, Joaquin Phoenix Mm. and it's so nice to have him come in as a student. Which also taught me to, whenever I come in, things come in as a student. Don't come in trying to prove anything. And I love him because he goes full force and he really wants to learn, you know? So I think that's why I've been called the diva whispering. So these folks that you work with, I'm curious, how did you get involved with that? I think it was being in the right place at the right time, honestly. Mm. Being the name, because by all these things are referrals. And that's what we're talking about, connections being a good person and being impactful right. with your word and what you do. So it's not necessarily about a skill set all the time. Sometimes it's how you are on an um, interpersonal level. Yeah, no, absolutely. If if we were to meet at a cocktail party, what would you tell me you did? Like, what would you say? I would say, oh, I'm in the entertainment industry. Okay. It's so interesting. If you had to um, clear out jobs, resumes, and you had to say what values you know, if I said to you, like using, using your values, using whatever you call some of, some of your own values, what do you do? I'm an empathetic educator. Yeah. yeah. I love it. My there mother always taught me empathy an empathetic yeah. educator. And no matter whatever I do, that's what I try to be. Yes. Because you can educate people on how they're supposed to treat you. Mm-hmm. You can educate people on the inner workings. You can in- educate people on how to treat other people. You can educate people on their own body and their own source and essence. You can always be teaching something that people will learn. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have a big smile on my face because we're such kindred spirits in that way. And man, that came really easy too, right? Empathetic. Because I love what I do. I know. Indeed. Like when you really know that what you're It's not what you is, do, it's who you are. And I come from a family of teachers. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Um, what would you say is your definition of living in the moment? My definition of living in the moment is being able to fart and then laugh at it. <laughs> okay, that's the best answer I've ever had. Why okay. is that? Tell me more. Why, why is that important? It's because it's something that you can't hold in that your body naturally does. So you have Mm. no choice but to be present. And then to laugh at it is rejecting the shame. It's reacting to something that happens in the moment naturally in, in, in having glee from it and learning from it. Yep. Yep. And I realized while we were all on a pause, that was the most present I've ever been in my life. I couldn't think about the past. There was no really thinking about the future. You just literally had to be in the moment. And there was something so wonderfully beautiful about that, that I haven't, that I didn't have to exercise until last year. Yeah. It's something about laughter that also keeps you present. Mm. 
it's something about joy that keeps you present. And, you know, if you can connect with what your body's doing and how you're feeling and then having fun with that, I think there's no better, better way to operate. So how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered. Mm. That's it. That's it. I don't think I need to put anything on that. I think if I've done my work and my life's work and, and stood in my purpose, then people will just remember. That's beautiful. I love that. I, I completely hear that. And I appreciate that because then it, it becomes again, not an attached goal to life. Yes. Yeah. But that's you showing up for yourself, mm-hmm. for your values, for what you've been taught, for all the things we've been discussing and yeah. dying and knowing that you did. Yes. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, let, oh, finish. Can you finish this phrase? This yeah. is kind of fun. Most people think Dominique Kelly is, but the truth is. Most people think Dominique Kelly is me, but the truth is Dominique Kelly is reserved because he loves very hard and he doesn't want to show all of his cards and then have to bring them all back. Mm. Because I'm direct, which a lot of people fear, or because I'm quiet and dry, I'm not necessarily excitable. People I've gotten that I'm very mean and intimidating. Really? Yeah. yeah. But again, it's, it's, I have to realize like, that's not necessarily true for me. No. Nope. You know, like it is what it is. I'm not going to necessarily smile more or change the tone of my voice or like shave or do different things to comfort other people. Mm-hmm. They just have to talk and realize that's what it is. Hmm. And I think part of it too is um, I like to give and I like to love hard and like whatever people need, I like to be there for them. So I've realized I've had to almost build a fortification, not to block, but just to make sure that I'm not stepping out or overextending because of trying to help so many different people. And then you end up drained. Yeah, I I think part of it too is I'm an introvert and I am basically an extrovert for money. Mm -hmm. So when people see me out and about in the world, it's because I put my extrovert cap on because I I need to. That's just what it is. Extroverts are celebrated. Extroverts are always wanted around. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have that side, but I love one-on-one conversations I love to fill up by myself and do the research and just be and just be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's just and I've realized as I've gotten older, it's better to have those self-care boundaries because then I'm an effective educator when I do have the self-care. I don't give so much that I have nothing left. Correct. Because it does a disservice to all parties. So I'm going to say what makes you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say a word and it can be rapid fire. It doesn't need to be, um, okay. whichever way you want to play. Well, do you want to play rapid fire or not? Let's do rapid fire. Why not? I've had breakfast. I feel oh. like I'm, I'm firing on all cylinders. Okay, perfect. So here we go. What makes you hungry? French fries, the smell of French fries. Sad. Um, fear. Inspired. Farts. Frustrated. Indecision. Laugh. Farts. Angry. Indecision. And finally, what makes you grateful? 
life. What are the top three things that have happened so far today? I woke up. I watered plants. So anytime you can care for other life that's not yours, you feel a sense of like achievement and purpose. And I um, was great with time, time management. Mm. Is that a thing for you? Is that something that a big thing? I love time management. Yeah. Is it hard for you or not at all? I I don't know if it's because of tap, like being in time Ah, or brain or brain problems. Like I like to be able to go like, okay, it's going to take me 12 minutes to do this or do that. Little things like that. Like time management is, is fun for me. Yeah. You know what stands out though? That's really cool, which makes you really an interesting human. It really adds to your dimension is that you shared that with me. And yet when I said to you, I bet you're busy and we should probably wrap it up. You were like, nah, let's just talk. Yeah. Did did you build that in? Yes, because yeah, okay. I don't have things to do until about 1230 my time, one o'clock. Great. So if it went over, then I wouldn't feel like I was rushed or stressed or yep. you were rushed or stressed. Yep. That makes sense. I, I'm very time oriented because I feel like time is also respect. Yes. And mm-hmm. I like to respect people's time because I also know time is money. But more importantly, time is love. It's a love mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's something you're looking forward to? I am looking forward to the future. Mm. I feel like there's nothing better than waking up and being excited for the day or the next day. You can wake up and be like, I can't wait for what this day has to bring. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's certain things because I feel like we all get phone calls that are change our day for the better. We'll get a text that'll do that. Like there's so many different moments throughout the day. Mm-hmm. that can make you happy if you if you focus on that now i'm one of those people too like bad things happen like don't think it's all daisies and daffodils and cotton candy you know what i mean like bad things happen but there's always some great things that happen and i feel like i get a little agita not in a bad way because i was telling mandy that and my boyfriend that i was like sometimes i get a a stomach situation where i know something good is coming mm-hmm. and you know some people like there's a old, the wives tale that if your right palm itches, then you're getting money or mm. you know, any little thing. Sometimes when I get agita, that means like something good is about to happen. And I had agita a couple of nights ago. So I'm That's cool. not that I'm waiting for something good to happen, but you know, it, it's, it's just part of it waking up every morning. Like I literally wake up before the alarm. I wake up with the sun. I don't drink coffee. I'm just excited to wake up. Yeah. Every yeah. If there's one thing you could tell 12 year old Dominique starting out, with this career now, what would you tell him that maybe he would have liked to have heard? You don't necessarily have to wait a year or two for something to pan out, jump on it now. And I tell myself that like with social media, with everything I get so overwhelmed because for somebody who's on a lot of social media, I'm not really, really that extra social. But when it comes to that and other things, I like to wait to see how it's going to go before I jump on board. Sometimes it's okay to jump on board from the beginning if you feel passionately about it. Mm. It's okay. Sometimes it's good to leap, you know, and then figure it out after. And again, I'm not one for indecision, but I'm one to sit back in the cut to be like, I don't think this is for me, but I'm going to wait until I'm forced to do it. And then I realize, oh, I actually like that. Maybe I should have done that a year or two ago. Mm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Great insight. Dominique, it has been such a joy speaking with you today, really. Thank you, you too. It's been great. Yeah. See, I really- the light of the day, having yeah. a good conversation. 
Oh, 100%. I, I love the expression. I get to do this. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I woke up this morning and said, I get to meet somebody new today. I love that. Right? Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. So I am so grateful for getting the opportunity to have this connection with you. Thanks. I, I've been speaking today with Dominique Kelly. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.